Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I've always wanted to help the audience take their soul to the next level, so I've partnered with Mind Valley and other amazing free courses on spirituality, mind, body, soul, longevity, wealth, and so much more. All you need to do is go to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of this show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. Now, today on the show, we have money energy expert, Ken Honda. Ken is a best-selling author who has sold over 8 million books worldwide of his best-selling book, Happy Money. And he has impacted millions and millions around the world, showing you that money is energy and it can be happy or unhappy. And in our conversation, we discuss the energy of money, our relationship with money, our money wounds, how we think about money, and how we should be thankful when we pay a bill and when we receive a check. And stay to the end so you can find out how you can get a free masterclass with Ken Honda as well. So let's dive in. I'd like to welcome to the show, Ken Honda. How are you doing, Ken? Hi, Alex. I'm so happy to be here. And your shows are amazing, so I feel so honored to be a show. Oh, that's so, thank you so much. It's humbling for you to say, my friend. I've been a fan of yours for a while. I found you on Mind Valley years ago, and that introduced me to your whole world and your amazing book, Happy Money. And I love I, your approach to money and the Zen philosophy behind it. And I've used some of your techniques. I, I always say thank you when I pay a bill, uh, or, or, <laughs> or, uh, or de gato, I think it is, or de gato, uh, or thank you or gracias in my world because I'm Spanish. Uh, and and when I pay a bill and when I and I get money, I do it a lot when I get money. I, I'm not as good when I pay. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I got to get better. <laughs> but we'll get into all of that. So my first question to you, my friend, is what started your journey with happy money and understanding money in general in the way you do? Thank you for um, such a great question. You know, to make it short, uh, it's almost predestined when I when I come to think of it. I've listened to your past shows and I think, is this a whole simulation thing? And I think I agreed 100% because uh, I was born into a very unique family in Japan. Uh, not many people talk about money, but uh, money was just a daily topic in our household because my father was a very successful tax accountant. And he started teaching me about money since I was five or six. And since then, I uh, he taught me everything about uh, what needs to be learned uh, about money and business by the age ten. So I could ask uh, his my father's clients on weekends when they visited my father's office uh, in our house. So I asked, I used to harass them when I was six or seven. You know, uh, sir, what is your ROE? You know, <laughs> what is the turnout ratio and stuff like that? And I didn't know what they mean, uh, but uh, what they meant. But I, I, I really enjoyed looking at the, their confused face and you know, <laughs> look on their face, like, wow, you know. So I was just a very interesting kid asking adults about, you know, what's money for you. <laughs> so since then, I've been learning about money. Now, how did you incorporate these uh, these Zen ideas with money? And well, let me. How can you? First of all, the next question is: How can you tell if your money is happy? And that whole concept is very strange to a Western audience. It's like happy That's money, true. you know, because money money is a loaded question. It triggers. There's just a lot of triggers in that. I I I I find it so fascinating. I um, last year I did a world tour. Um, at that time, westbound, I'm going to start the eastbound uh, again this year. But I, I, I thought it's fascinating to uh, listen to people talk about money. So because uh, in in the West, uh, it's 
widely believed that more money is better. But mm -hmm. I found out that uh, I've met uh, wealthiest people in Japan and, and the world, and uh, not all of them are super happy. And uh, in fact, uh, some of them are more confused than most of us. So uh, more money doesn't seem to solve the problem. On the other hand, you know, if you're in a Spanish um, uh, culture, you've seen the most blessed, um, happy people who, who are on the street that they didn't seem to have much money. So happiness doesn't really relate with money. But uh, as we know, um, in, in everyday life, uh, if we have no money, we, we struggle. So we need some kind of money. So how much is enough and how do we get the money? And I realized that uh, depending on how you receive money, how you make money, and how you spend money, uh, the energy around money, that is a source of your happiness and also it's a source of unhappiness. If we make money in a way that you feel so true, uh, true joy, and also when you spend money, you feel so happy, that will make you a very happy person. But if you make uh, your money in a miserable way, like try to uh, uh, take advantage of other people or try to be dishonest to get the money, and then you feel bad, lousy about yourself. And when you want to um, be stingy, when you need to pay the bills, you feel bad about that too. And if you're frustrated, that will also make you a very unhappy person. So uh, happiness determines how you receive and also let go of money. And that is a source of happy money. So how this is something that I've come across in my my battles with money throughout my life. I was raised in a household where you work hard for your money, mm -hmm. work ethic. You know, money is not easy to get. Mm -hmm. You have to work hard for it. You've got to save. Don't spend. Be careful. And, and that's called poor people mentality in many mm -hmm. ways. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of good came out of that work ethic. Excellent. I work harder than many people. Now I've actually figured out that I don't have to work as hard. I have to start pulling back a bit as I get older because that's, you know, after 30 years of, of just not, I was, I got my first job when I was 14 wow. Illeg illegally being paid under the table at a video store, you know, <laughs> and, and I, that's how I got, cause I wanted to get in so hard, so, so bad, but this poor people mentality where like you look at money so scarce, scarcely mm -hmm. affected income. I've noticed it. But the moment I let go and started to not give that energy to the money, money becomes easier. It flows a lot easier. And I've just noticed that in my own life, I'm not rich by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm happier. So yes. how do you break through this poor people mentality, especially in the West? There's a lot of poor people mentality and generational too. And we'll talk about generational mm. mindset as well. But my generation uh, immigrants, especially immigrants, mm -hmm. work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard, to the point where you don't even, you can't even enjoy a vacation. Yes, that place. So, can you tell us? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, uh, you may have the impression that Japanese people work harder, and I th it's true. So, I'm the uh, the very few uh, people who have, you know, guys who have long hairs and just right. don't care about the rules, you know, I'm, I'm the rebels in Japan. So <laughs> I walk in this uh, street with a t-shirt and uh, everybody's wearing, you know, like at least my age is wearing a, a you know, serious suit. Like uh, what's wrong with you guys? You know, <laughs> life is to be enjoyed. So that's why my books are so popular. I sold about 8 million copies. It's almost like one out of uh, 10, you know, 12 Japanese people. Uh, the reason is that people need to realize that uh, what life is for. But this uh, scarcity mentality, we have to do something. We have to be somebody in order to bring food on the table. I understand it. But at the same time, how can you balance out? Uh, there are so many things to be enjoyed in life. Um, so uh, the first stage, you may have to work a little harder. But after um, getting out of survival um, uh, right. mode, you have to switch into a more of a, a life enjoying mode. But a lot of millionaires and billionaires, they cannot do that because uh, they're so driven 
and they cannot let go of this energy. I have to do more. I have to get more. But you have to, at a certain time, could be something to do with the age or something to do with your financial back, uh, you know, status. But you have to know when is enough, how much is enough. Otherwise, uh, when you um, start dreaming about making, say, $100,000 a year, because the, with the inflation, that may not be enough to keep you going. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. So you may want to make $200,000. And uh, if you reach that level, you, a lot of your friends would be making half a million dollars and then, you know, a million dollars. And then uh, you realize that there is something called uh, helicopters or private jets. And then uh, yes. your toys are getting more expensive and expensive. So unless you say, okay, this is this is enough. I'm so happy with a certain amount of money or a certain amount of um, uh, energy. Otherwise, you'll be driven in a um, washing machine. So you will lose a uh, peace of mind and also you lose the meaning of life. So um, you have to balance out what's in your life. And isn't it isn't it amazing though, especially in the West, mm-hmm. how you know we are pounded constantly with this, you need more, 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 consume more, buy more. And at a certain point, you need a box to live in, a place to prepare food, a place to sleep, a place to go to the bathroom, safety, security, um, a, a car to get you from point A to point B, mm-hmm. and maybe a few other things. But at, at a certain point, how much bigger does your box have to be? Mm-hmm. Is 5,000 feet enough? Is 10,000 feet enough? Mm-hmm. Is it so big that you're going into rooms? There's rooms that you don't go into the entire year? Like, how much is enough? And I think this... I think at least in the West, it seems to be shifting a little bit. Maybe I'm wrong, but it seems to be shifting into more of like, maybe I don't need, especially the pandemic. I don't need to work so hard. You know, I spend time with my family. That's more important Mm. than another car or a bigger box to live in or a fancy t-shirt or a fancy watch. You start to, you focus on where that money makes the most sense for your enjoyment of life. And do you agree that the pandemic kind of was like a big etch-a-sketch, if you will, if you know what an etch-a-sketch is um, from the olden days? You look so young, sir. That's why I didn't know. But uh, <laughs> the etch-a-sketch, which kind of shaped the entire world up and kind of reset things. Do you agree? Yes, definitely. Because uh, we just happened to be thrown into a, a, a box to life in a way, you know, because of the lockdown and many, many major cities, you know, uh, people realize like, uh, why did I work so hard? So in that sense, we were forced out of trance of working hard and busy. And then we realized, ooh, what was I thinking? (laughs) So that's why many people are not coming back to the workplace. That seems to just raise up the rage. Uh, wages higher, so it causes inflation. But because of all this, we just uh, um, we are um, forced out of trance again. Once again, I think this year is going to be in such an interesting year. Uh, the people who have who have too much will worry. Uh, people who have too little will worry too. So in the middle, people uh, people don't have to worry as much. But I guess uh, people who have too much. Will, will realize that uh, having too much is a cause of your own unhappiness. At the same time, having too little could be also the cause of your life worries too. So if you have too much, you have to let go of too much because the money you think you, you thought you, you had is gone. And for the people who are suffering, you have to figure out the ways to live. You have to get out of this like... Uh, I have to survive mentality. You have to find who you are and you have to find uh, what your gifts are. And by sharing your gifts, you can live a better life. But uh, for most of us, we need to be out of the trance. Well, let me ask you this, because a lot of people listening right now might be in survival mode. And Mm -hmm. it's really easy to talk about a lot of the concepts we're talking about when you have money, 
when mm-hmm. you are more comfortable, you're like, you know, you shouldn't work as hard. Maybe you should relax a little bit more enjoying life. But if you can't pay the, you're stressed out about rent or food, this is a more difficult conversation. So what, what advice do you have for people in that situation? So in that sense, in a sense, we are all forced to live uh, a different life. So say if you're in uh, San Francisco or New York <laughs> or in LA, LA. <laughs> um, you know, maybe this is a time to move out of the city, you know, so that's I can, what I did. <laughs> so if you listen to somebody like Alex, oh, gee, maybe I should move to Santa Fe or, <laughs> you know, some someplace nice. And then when you just uh, move up the city, like, uh, wow, there is a world out there outside of LA. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of trees and what? Oh, no trees, you know. So beautiful, you know. Why did I work so hard in a in a in a city where you have to pay in, incredible rent? Taxes. But you know, I I don't have to pay, you know, so much. So um, uh, maybe uh, it's time for you to reevaluate your life. Is this the way you want to work? Is this way you want to work? Is this how you want? Uh, is this how you want to work? And then you almost like get enlightenment, move out of the city. And I think a lot of people are doing it. So I think we are going to be in a, a very interesting age where people get to choose um, where to live and where to stay and where to work. So we used to be uh, somewhere tribes, you know, we have to be somewhere to do something, but we're just, many of us are moving into anywhere tribe where we can do anything anywhere. So I think we are in a process of uh, transforming our lives. So if you have a hard time uh, making both ends meet, maybe you're in the wrong place in so many ways. Absolutely. I left Los Angeles after 13 years because of that specific reason. We're like, why are we spending all this money? It's not that we couldn't afford it, but it's like, why are we throwing this money away when we could be traveling more with this money buy a bigger house that makes more that we're more comfortable and there were so many reasons to move and uh, we never looked back very very happy so it, it is something that that hopefully people listening might there's opportunities now that there weren't before the pandemic mm-hmm. you know before you really needed to be in some big cities to make a living but with remote with remote work that's become different very very different now you speak about money wounds what is a money wound so this is the cause of all of our unhappiness. You know, since we are four or five, we start to realize that there is something called money. And by the, by the age seven or eight, you kind of figure out uh, what kind of uh, situations, financial situations that your your families are in. I, I met a kindergarten boy who said, uh, I don't get a, I will not get a Christmas present because my, my, my house is my family is poor and i asked him do you know the do you know what what it means to be poor and he said i don't know my mother told me we are poor so you know we just begin to realize that there is something called money so since then we get we've been hurt so much about not getting the right present not getting uh to go to uh, summer camps and not getting the the same toys that my all our friends seem to get. And so we just feel so bad about money and how we've been treated uh, in our um, in our family. And uh, we've been, how many times have we been scolded by our parents, you know, saying like, don't waste money. Or, what did you do? You know, uh, do you think we are Rockefeller families? You know, I'm famous I, I, line, I have yeah. a, I have a collection of all the terrible words that our parents used to say. It's so universal. Uh, one time, um, there's a saying in Japanese, if you don't have money, that means you don't have a head. That get me nightmares for days. <laughs> like When I grew up, I'll have no head because I'll have no money. <laughs> so those scary sayings are, t- are the kids, you know, um, that we grew up. I think parents wanted to make sure that their kids are okay. But uh, I think they're doing it too much. So money could be such a scary monster chasing after you if you're not careful, if you don't study hard, if you don't do something right, it's going to catch you. So instead of just saying, you know, money can be your best friend. So just do whatever you love in your life and then money will follow you. So just enjoy money because life 
is to be enjoyed. If all our, all our parents uh, used to say that, I think we're having a different life, probably a lot less stress and worries. Without question. Now, what about cultural money wounds, which is something that that can like I like I just talked about a little bit ago where my parents were my grandparents were immigrants, my parents were immigrants, and that kind of leaned into what I am. And even even my wife and I, who's also an immigrant, trying to not do that to our children. And we catch ourselves and we are conscious of it and we're catching ourselves, uh, but doing it. But it still seeps out of us because it's so programmed in us. We're like, no, no, we can't. No, no, we got to pull back on that. So what about those kind of money wounds? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. It's there because uh, <laughs> it's so uh, embedded in us. Uh, it's almost like DNA. Mm-hmm. So I, I give a, a um, couple counseling and family counseling. And I usually need to go back to two generations. So that means like uh, your grandparents or grand-grandparents uh, had a hard time uh, getting over the Great Depression in 1930s. It's because of those, what ha- what happened in 1930s and 40s gave so much scars to our grand- grandfathers, grandmothers, and then scarred grandparents did so terrible job at raising our parents, which was a cause of our misery. So we need to go back to at least two generations to figure out what's in us. So when you're afraid of um, starting your business, why is that? It's because your parents used to teach you, if you don't have money, you've been in big trouble. Why did why did they say that? Because the same thing, their 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 parents, which is our grandparents, used to used to say, when our parents are small. Why is that? It's because our grandparents had such a tough time uh, during the war or depression or right after the war. Because of that. Uh, we have a different uh, cultural background, and uh, and it it's got some pros and cons, you know. Like I I have a huge uh, respect for Latin American cultures because you respect family uh, and also bonding. That's great, but at the same time, this bonding could be re- is such a restrict uh, restricting energy too. So it has some good and bad, uh, and and then most of the Western uh, culture. Uh, we are taught to be uh, be alone, be independent. But uh, too much independence uh, gives you isolation too. So when you are having a hard time, uh, both financially and socially and emotionally, you have a hard time reaching for help, asking for help. So we are so good at giving uh, help, but we are so bad at asking for help. So that's because of this, we have to be independent. So uh, in North American culture in general, except Latin American or some immigrant uh, cultures, uh, it's almost unthinkable to ask help uh, among brothers and sisters. And also, I was so shocked uh, in North America, uh, you know, your best friends and uh, don't talk about how much how much money you make to each other. Like uh, asking money questions is such a big taboo. Oh, yeah. So uh, in Japan and in Asia, we casually, like uh, at high school union, we casually ask about, hey, Alex, how much are you making? Like, oh, you're making so much. Oh, that's great. I'm so happy for you. But in North America, if you get asked, you know, how much money you make a year Ooh. in a college reunion, like you get out of here, right? Might as well just ask about religion and politics while you're at it. <laughs> and also you have another fight too. But <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> These days, you know, we have such a cultural taboos in, in so many different areas. By the way, you know, Japanese guys don't care about, how uh, you know, uh, the questions like how much money they're, um, they're making. They don't care about it. But when it comes to sexual issues, there's a big taboos. So you, know, you can freak out all the American business people about how much money they make. So yeah, you yeah. can ask Japanese businessmen, how's your sexual life? And then and, like, oh my God. And vi- and vi- by the way, vice versa, somebody will ask, answer a question about their sexual life in America much quicker than they'll ask, I'll tell you how much. They'll give you details that you don't even want to know about. Yes. Before so they tell it, you how much they make. Yeah, it's so interesting, you know, about what is uh, what brings you so much excitement and what brings you so much shame. 
And money is such a great extractor of shame in oh, any culture. Because uh, when you talk about how much money you make, how much money uh, um, you, you, you don't you, make. Yeah, you don't make. or but that area, The whole area brings that out so much shame. So unless you heal this uh, embarrassment or shame or guilt, you cannot really enjoy money. Absolutely. Now, how about debt? Debt is, you were speaking of shame. Debt mm -hmm. is such a massive thing of shame and guilt about that. How can we, if someone's in massive amounts of debt, Mm -hmm. This is a difficult conversation for them to listen to. And, mm -hmm. and, and if the stats are correct, most Americans are in debt. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and because that's the way the system is built here. Yeah. What, do you, what do you have? What do you have to say about it? So, you know, I often talk about debt in um, uh, very different ways that probably you think in, in, in your entire life. Instead of feeling the, uh, the heaviness of the debt, I just uh, ask you to uh, turn around and look at uh, debt in a different way as energy. So when you borrow money, what did you do? You just you know sign the papers and you you just say how much money you make, your college graduate or whatever that is, and the bank or your friends or somebody gave you the money. Why is that? Because they had a complete trust in you that you're going to pay back. So in other words. They had the uh, uh, they had the belief they believed that you are capable of paying back, and I think it's a huge amount of trust that you got there, like five years ago, ten years ago, when you're in college, uh, you get a you got a college loan. That means that after college, they believe the bank believe that you are capable of paying back all the debt, and I think it's a beautiful thing. Like somebody trusted me. That I'll make enough money so I can pay back. So instead of feel, instead of feeling the heaviness of the debt, you can feel the joy of the trust that somebody placed in you. Wow, I thought it's a heavy burden, but it's not. It was a huge trust that that you will be more abundant. You'll make enough money so you can pay back the the debt. And after paying back the debt, you'll be more prosperous. That's why I'm just giving you the loan. So going back 5, 10, 20 years and thinking like, hmm, so somebody trusted me enough, so I, I'll do better. So to answer the trust, I'll make sure that I'll pay back every month. And uh, the interest I'm paying is to show my appreciation to the trust that somebody or the bank uh, uh, showed in me. So... Uh, the bank or whoever, the, you know, could be your, your uncles, just say, uncle, you know, Uncle Lee, thank you so much, you know, for the trust. I'm paying back every month to answer your debt, uh, answer your trust. So debt can be translated into um, love and trust if you want to. It's it's fascinating hearing you talk about it because you're absolutely right. It is a perspective change. You mm -hmm. change your perspective. You change the way you think about it. And it does change the way you approach it. Mm -hmm. But be, being from someone who you, was in massive amounts of debt when I was younger in my 20s, because I had no idea about how to do anything with my money. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking back to if I would have been listening to this in my 20s, I would have been like, man, this is this is going to be tough. It's a tough. It's not easy. Like when you've got, you know, you're $100,000 in debt and you're only making thirty or $40,000 a year. You don't have a lot of money to throw around. You start to change this is, is i think mind blowing and also can really change the way you look at how you move forward in life with the money it's a beautiful poetic way of looking at it but i know a lot of people listening going man that's going to be hard to do yeah, very okay. hard yeah so let me just share uh, a story of my friend yeah. who inherited his father's business about uh 15 20 years ago he um inherited his father's business which was losing so much money so when uh, a few months after his father passing, uh, his father's accountant show, he showed him the paper. And uh, fa his father's um, company was $3 million in debt. So here's a question to you. If your father <clears throat> left you a company with uh, $3 million in debt, what are you going to do? You have two options. You inherit the, uh, your father's company and you become a CEO, 
you leave your nice uh, paying job and start working in a terrible company with uh, like five employees. Or just say, oh, uh, oh no, I'm not going to inherit any of his debt, any of his things. So I'm a free man. You have a choice. You know, you can just sign the waiver that's saying I'm not going to inherit his debt or his money. And then you're off the hook. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Uh, I think 95 or 98% of the people would say, oh, I'm not going to say, sorry, daddy. You know, like, I'll just leave the, the thing legally. So um, I'm okay. Off the hook. A lot of people would say that. But my my friend is a very unique guy. I said, my father borrowed $3 million. And I think as a son, I'm, I feel responsible to pay him back. So not only he quit his very uh, nice job, very secure job, he started, um, he he got his father's business and uh, uh, he struggled because he didn't know nothing about uh, anything about um, management. But uh, because of his strong will to, to pay back all the money because uh, his father uh, was trusted by his friends and his, uh, you know, uh, uh, colleagues and, and uh, among his uh, his community. So he had to uh, he had to pay all the money, so uh, his father's uh, name will not be in shame. Do you know what happened? He worked so hard, so he started paying back uh, the, the debt every year. It took him ten years to clean out the bill, but that means. He made about a million dollars every year in profit to pay back $300,000 loan. So uh, he paid back all the money in 10 years. And not only he paid back all the money, he got the earning power and he kept going. So just think about how much money you would make, uh, uh, how much money you would have if you keep making $1 million in profit. So in a few years, he became a millionaire. And looking back um, after 15, uh, 16 years, he appreciated his father so much because he didn't, his father didn't leave him a debt or a terrible company. His father gave him a big training machine that's called a, a small business who's, uh, that which is losing a lot of money. And with this opportunity, his son got a training of making money and being serious about life. So he's uh, enjoying his life in a beautiful home with his beautiful uh, wife and children. So look at what, what happened. He didn't know that something like that happens after 15 years of hard work. But um, when you just go, look, go back, like because of the education you, you had, you know, with, with a college degree and, and, and a lot of parties, and a lot of friendship and um, a lot of uh, knowledge and experiences. You are you become a better person. You become a more productive person. So you can make more money along the way. So instead of feeling the heaviness of the debt, just look at <clears throat> look at it in a different perspective. You see a whole entire beautiful future ahead of you. Well, the thing is, too, that the example you're using is of a positive good debt, which is either for education or a home or like these are good debts that you have mm-hmm. uh, or even even your your business, your friend's business had debt, but it was good debt to help the business. But a lot of people have horrible debt that they credit card debt and massive debt that they feel shameful of like, oh, my God, I can't believe like I did. I can't believe I was a hundred because of doing stupid things. But with all of that said, looking back on it, I wouldn't have changed a thing because the education I got from dealing with it, getting out of it, all of that was life, life uh, education that I needed to this day where I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to worry about doing things like that. But so people listening, I just hope that even if you've had that kind of quote unquote shameful debt of like, Mm -hmm. I bought too much stuff and, (laughs) <laughs> you know, and I I, I, I maxed out my credit card and I, oh, I want those kind of things. This mentality that you're talking about will change the way you look at things. And you can't beat yourself up for what you've done in the past. If you continue to move forward, this new perspective that you've done can help you move forward in a very positive way. Yeah. So I, will, I want to give you one 
a fun affirmation. You know, when I whenever I do something stupid, and a lot of us do, like, oh. oh no, what did I do? Why did I do that? I uh, there's a beautiful affirmation I I I I often use. When I find out I made a terrible mistake, and the the the, the thing I say is, I'm human. I can help it. So <laughs> when you make a stupid mistake, you can say, I'm a human. I can't. I couldn't help it. Exactly. And you can't beat yourself up over mistakes. It's, you know, you made them, it happened, move on, learn from it, move on. And that's the way it is. But again, this, the way you're looking at debt and the way you're looking at money is a helpful, positive way of moving forward, not the shameful, guilty way, which becomes help heavy and, and hurtful. And then you have a different mentality around money, which my next question is, we talked about poor people mentality. Do you have any advice on how to reprogram ourselves? from poor people mentality to a more positive relationship with money? Mm -hmm. Not only for um, poor people or financially challenged people, I'd say uh, the attitude or relationship you have with money will determine your life. So uh, my <clears throat> my advice uh, to you is to start appreciating money in your life. If you start appreciating money coming in, you how much can you appreciate the money coming in? A lot of us are complaining, I can't pay all the bills with this salary, right? Instead of saying that, you can say, wow, you know, I don't have the uh, uh, college education, or I, I don't have any skills, but people pay me this much. Thank you so much, you know, for the money that um, you give it to me. And when you pay the bills, thank you so much for the electricity. Thank you so much for the food. So I don't have to stop today or my families can eat. So if you have that, appreciation mentality, uh, people notice you. Uh, <clears throat> one time there's this uh, um, TV interview. Um, the factory was shutting down because the factories are going somewhere else. So this woman was crying so hard. And then she was saying, after 30 years of hard work, uh, our, our factory is shutting down. But I so appreciate the management and the co-workers for working with me. I don't. I didn't have any college degree. But because of the uh, 30 years factory work, uh, I could send three of my kids to college. I forever appreciate that. And I feel so sad about this shutting down of the factory. And then the next guy was angry. He was just, you know, uh, using terrible language. And then and he was just yelling at the reporter. And after the show, <clears throat> a lot of calls to the TV station asking for this woman's contact number because they wanted to hire her. You know, after the factory shut down, what's yeah. your reaction? You can be super, super upset and angry, or somebody like her, she's, she showed her deepest appreciation and love for the co-workers and the management. So who would want to hire, who get uh, uh, upset over little things, or who appreciated uh, for the for for the situation. So the people who appreciate a uh, little thing in life uh, can be appreciated by other people. So once you're in this appreciation mode, it takes only a few weeks, few months, could be a year or two to get out of this terrible scarcity mentality place that everything doesn't work. So the key is appreciation. I'm telling you, it works for me. I was doing uh, origato. Uh, is it Domero origato, right? Yes, yes. Arigato your money. Arigato your money. So I was arigato my, my money left and right. And my wife was like, did you just say arigato? I'm like, yes, I did. <laughs> She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm thanking when the money comes in. Anytime a sales comes in, I say thank you. And then occasionally I remember <laughs> when I pay a bill, I am out to dinner or something. I go, thank you, you know, origato, because it's, it's uh, thank you for the ability to pay this bill. Thank you for the ability to receive this money. And it's a different mentality on how you look at, at money. Now, you've talked about the money container concept. What is that? So I realized, and after meeting uh, a few clients on the same day, um, many, they're about the same age, like they're 38 or 39. They have about the same college education, the same skills. But uh, the second one was making five times more money because I was doing the paper, right? So I, I know how much exactly how much they make. And I realized, hmm, you know, they have the same background, same kind of guy. 
But what's what made this whole difference? And I realized that there is something called money container. And every one of us was born <clears throat> with a certain money size. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Some, some people are born big, you know, somebody like Elon Musk or Bill Gates. They're, they're born here, do big things, and then get a lot of money. And other people, like my uncle, you know, um, uh, he has a small container. He's working in a small uh, factory, and then he doesn't make much money. But that's who he is. And he doesn't have this ambition to learn new things, to do something big. And so he has a modest lifestyle. He, he doesn't have any debt, but his, his money container is so small. So, and uh, you may have uh, your parents or uh, your friends who are a school teacher or nurse or whoever that is. So um, some of us are born with a bigger container than others. And it's almost like a predestined. And of course you can make it bigger, but uh, just think about this. You know, if you are born and, and by the age 30 or 40, you kind of figure out how much you're going to make for the rest of your life. And then based on your um, money container size, you can make it bigger or you can satisfy yourself with a presence uh, container. Otherwise, if you're trying to make it bigger too quick, you're going to crack the container. You know, the, a lot of um, uh, lottery winners, they ruin their lives by winning like $5 million or so. It's because too much money cracks their money containers. Mm, that's, that's very isn't it interesting though with lottery winners that lottery winners i think it's something i don't know the exact percentage but 90 percent, 80 percent within five years lose all their money again mm -hmm. uh are dead <laughs> are bankrupt or broke or some or they've lose their family they, they don't know how to deal with that because you when you say that cracks your container if if tomorrow I was given twenty billion dollars, mm -hmm. I would, I think I could figure something out, but it, it would be difficult because that's so much. You don't know how to even handle that. Your mind can't wrap your head around it. Mm -hmm. And even these billionaires, it they gradually grew to this building their skill sets to be able to handle that kind of money. So even mm -hmm. when we're rushed in with a lot of money, that's why people with a lot that win the lottery they don't. They just can't deal with it, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm more curious about who's the uh, leftover 10%, you know, who didn't go for that. And I have a friend who just won a, um, a million dollars, you know. Um, you know, I've actually known at least five or six uh, people who, wind, uh, who won more than a million dollars. Because uh, you know, I have a huge network, and then uh, there's a person at the at the end of the party. Can do you know what? I won three million dollars in a lottery. Do you know what happened? So I hear all the secret stories. So the people who didn't get influenced by money, Alex, just guess who they are. You know, they they were wealthy before before winning the lottery. So winning another million dollars didn't really affect them at all. So, so they were just celebrating the winning, and then they're just just uh, doing a little research and and uh, uh, what can we, how can we have so much fun with this extra one million dollars? So you know, like, do you think I should donate to uh, uh, dogs or just charity or other um, causes? So they are just en enjoying the fact they won uh, extra money, but that doesn't influence them because they're already wealthy. So, yeah. yes. No, no. I was going to tell you that I was, I was uh, younger in my younger years. I did a series of documentaries. I worked on a series of documentaries of lottery winners. Oh, nice! And I went to their houses and interviewed them, and it was all walks of life. Some people went crazy, lost mm -hmm. their entire family and friends, and self-destructed. And then there was one family I never forgot: working man, factory man. Salt of the earth, won 10 million. Didn't move out of his house. Refused to leave his job mm -hmm. because he didn't want to lose his pension. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. He's like, 
nothing changed in his life. He's like, you know what? Every once in a while, when my wife walks by a window at the mall and wants to buy a dress, you buy it for her. So it was, I think, a, it was a completely, they just didn't bother dealing with it. They just put it away, which I feel it was a little bit too extremes. Uh -huh. You need to be in the middle somewhere because when you have that much wealth and been, and been blessed with that much wealth, there is a responsibility mm -hmm. to be responsible with that energy that came into you, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. So it's how you play with the uh, money energy. You know, I I often talk about money as energy. Uh, mm -hmm. If you're dealing with a happy money energy, you become happy. If you're dealing with a, a, a competitive energy or busy energy or fast energy or violent energy, uh, your life will become that. So you have to really watch out what kind of energy you're being surrounded by. Now, can you discuss saving mm -hmm. versus spending? Mm -hmm. So uh, there's good spending and bad spending. You know, when you uh, uh, spend money in a bad way, you regret. You know, uh, one of the fun uh, um, key line, tag, tag line in a, a near shopping center in my house is like, shop now, regret at home. Is what they say. <laughs> so, At least they're honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really enjoy that. You know, the, the the shop owner. Wow, he's so honest about his thing, and but he has a good sense of humor. So, we either save or we shop. You have to ask yourself: Is this is this crucial for my survival? And in fact, a lot of shoppings are not. So, if you are struggling, you are spending too much. You know, I've done a lot of money counseling, sometimes for free. And the people who don't have money, they tend to spend more. Wealthy people don't spend money because they, they think they can buy them anytime. So a lot of uh, financially challenged people spend a lot of time at uh, cheap shopping stores like dollar shops. And they buy things that they don't even use. So uh, it's because uh, there's a hunger inside, a thirst inside by shopping. You want to feel that. So you have to really ask yourself, is this crucial? So by not buying $10 thing, you can save $10. So if you are, if you feel like you're struggling with money, you have to shop less and start making more. Money problem, it's it's got only two problems. You're making too little or spending too much. And uh, financially challenged people, uh, they have both problems making too little and spending too much very true now you also spoke about a life script what is a life script and how do you read it so uh, a lot of us are born with a life script um if you are a, a children of uh, immigrants you know as uh, alex said you have a, a working heart mentality and if you're born and brought up in a middle class america uh, now they're probably like two different um kind of groups, people who are moving up and the people who are moving down, depending on uh, what they think of life uh, as. So uh, I guess if you are uh, thinking that life is to be enjoyed, you bump into a lot of things to be enjoyed. If you think life is suffering, a lot of things uh, happen because uh, you believe that. So you have to uh, change your perspectives. And if you want to... Uh, if you are, uh, think about it, if you're a writer of your own uh, movie, you can change a script. So instead of asking, what, what are the five horrible things that, that are going to happen in my life for the next 10 years? You can say, what are the great miracles that will start happening from today? So if you just can, if you're a writer of the, if you're the script writer for your movie, you can start writing incredible stories. Like 20 years ago, I started writing. Before then, I had no career. Uh, I had no skills and I had no idea if I was going to become a writer. But I started changing, I, I guess, uh, my life script. Uh, what if I become an author? What if I become a best-selling author? What if if I start making money by what, well, what I loved? So I just... Um, just change my life script. Otherwise, I'd have been um, working in a in an office, shorter shorter hair, maybe a suit as an accountant. But now, 
I'm much happier because I changed my life script to more of uh, what I really wanted to do in life. So you have to do what matters most in life. So if you want to put that in the center of your life, you, your life will be so much, uh, you, you, your life will be filled with so much joy and abundance. But if you think life is there for suffering, it becomes that. So you have to really watch what you wish for Christmas or holidays. <laughs> we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. <laughs> very, very, very true. Now, we've mentioned a couple of times about bad spending or spending too much on things that don't matter in life. How do you deal with the feeling of guilt? Because that is a very powerful feeling. Like, I can't believe I bought this dress. I can't believe I bought this uh, this this bar that I'm putting in my garage. That, <laughs> or even better, that, that piece of workout equipment that now just uh, hangs my shirts on. Uh, that <laughs> These things that cost $1,000, $2,000, whatever it is. Dealing with the guilt of that, how because that does stop the energy flow. It stops the energy of, of the flow of money coming into your life. So how do you deal with that? So first of all, can you forgive yourself for being stupid, for being <laughs> for being careless, or for for, for being uh, just a, a fool? So if you can, that would be the first step. Can you forgive? And once again, I said. Uh, I did that. I screwed up because I'm a human. And then you can you hug yourself like, you know, you, you, you're not so bad. Uh, you're not a bad boy or girl. Uh, and then uh, I'll probably ask myself, why did I do that? You know, I didn't want to dress. I wanted to have the excitement of shopping, you know, showing the credit card. I, I can afford that. I wanted to have the feeling, not the dress. So instead of just focusing on on the stupid things I did, uh, I learned something uh, new today. You know, I shouldn't have bought that. I know that. But instead of blaming uh, myself, because if you keep blaming, you're going to do another thing. It's like uh, getting into uh, um, a diet. And then if I if I just uh, sleep out a, a diet, oh, you know, what the heck? I have to eat more potato chips. And then you're going a different way. So it's the same thing. So can you forgive yourself and just uh, look what happened? And then... For the next uh, opportunity, you know, I'll just do better. Or just, if you're a uh, compulsive uh, shopper, don't go near the mall, you know, <laughs> and that is a good advice. Don't look at a uh, 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 shopping site on, on online. So maybe those things can help. And otherwise, and if you have all the potato chips and all the cookies and all the fun stuff in your kitchen, you're going to eat them. But if you don't have them, you cannot physically eat them. So you have to kind of restrict yourself um, from shopping too much. That would be the first and practical advice for the people who are spending too much. And I have all the tips, but I cannot really share everything. You can just find all the information on my site. So, and, or, 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 my, my, or, or your book, yeah. or your book. Uh -huh. Absolutely. There is, um, there's something that I've learned in my days, uh, again, fighting this poor people mentality. And when I say poor people mentality, it's not people that are poor. It could be rich people who have poor people mentality as right. well, mm -hmm. where you are spending. And I know people, I have friends like this. They will spend 10 hours researching the cheapest, <laughs> the, 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 the the, the the cheapest price, the cheapest version of whatever you're trying to get, and they'll spend 10 hours researching it till they finally pull the trigger and buy it. And then a year later, it's broken mm -hmm. because they went after the cheapest. And not, there's two problems here. One, spending obscene amounts of time on that, which you could have done so many other things with your time other than doing that. And two, I found that when you buy something that's a little bit better quality, might be more expensive. It just lasts longer. And at the end, that cheap version will end up costing you more because you'll have to buy two, three, or four of those uh -huh. as opposed to just going out and like, if you're going to buy a frying pan for $5 at a, at a discount store, that thing, first of all, is probably going to give you cancer. Secondly, <laughs> it's, it's probably not going to last more than a month or two before it doesn't work anymore. Or you can spend $100 and that pan might last you a year, a year and a half if you take care of it. So can you can you give any tips on how to break that mentality a little bit? Yeah, so uh, everything about uh, those is a scarcity mentality. 
you know, you have to shop at the cheaper place. You have to do something uh, that uh, makes financially makes sense financially. But we are humans uh, once again, so we make stupid stupid mistakes. And even the hedge fund managers, you know, they are they they are the smartest people on on earth, but they still make it. They still make stupid mistakes uh, emotionally. So we have to keep reminding us uh, about how stupid we are. So by just doing this uh, things that don't really make sense, can you love yourself? Like, I'm I'm so bad, you know. Why did I spend 10, 10 hours on, in front of my computer and my eyes are tired and I feel so bad? But can you forgive yourself? That's your first step. So if you can uh, forgive yourself and accept yourself more, you make a less stupid mistakes. And then you can learn better. Uh, um, if you just bought a cheap place, you're not um, saving any money. You're just wasting your money. And then you learn a lesson. So next time, instead of just trying to find the cheaper places, you probably spend the same amount of money trying to figure out which product uh, is the best one when it comes to uh, you know lasting longer or like good solid product uh, quality. So I think uh, we all learn from our mistakes. And unfortunately, we cannot learn everything uh, without making any mistake. You know, how many times we fell over when we we're trying to learn how to, um, you know, run a bicycle? Many times. So uh, with money too, we make a lot of mistakes, and which is okay. So, uh, you know, preferably, ideally, we can learn these things when we were in, in teens, but we didn't. So <laughs> we have to do it over in your 40s or 50s and 60s. And it's not too late yet. I know people in their 70s and 80s are still learning those lessons, my friend. <laughs> because, you know, um, in a sense, life or this planet Earth is a fun playground. And if you feel like, uh, okay, <laughs> uh, different game, you know, uh, and st starting a new chapter, uh, you can start over anytime. So um, if you're in your 60s and 70s, don't think your, your life is over. You know, there's a lot of, fun stuff ahead of you mm -hmm. without question now Ken, i'm going to ask you a few questions ask all of my guests what is your definition of living a good life living a good life um when it comes to my mind is uh feeling content not even feeling happy like i'm okay with where i am i make so many mistakes and i make so many uh, <laughs> uh terrible jokes and then you know at night, uh, I always regret, oh, my God, why did I say that? But uh, with all that, uh, that's me. So I, I, I'm I, content with who I am. Uh, I'm content uh, for being 40% uh, uh, perfect. So I'm, I'm less than perfect, but I'm okay. So I guess uh, being content, being able to feel content with less than perfect is, I think, a happy uh, uh, living a good life. Uh, what is your definition of God? God, for me, I want to see him or her um, after I die. So I can't wait to see her and him. I have many questions. And what is the ultimate purpose of life? For me, enjoying every moment with uh, people uh, that I care about. Um, and I'm I'm excited to meet new people too, so um, learning and have fun, uh, having fun, well, with people is my um, life purpose. And where can people find out more about you? And where can they get this amazing book, Happy Money? Thank you. I think uh, it, uh, you can find them at Amazon, um, and you can Google Ken K E N Honda as in a car. Uh, even though I drive Toyota, you know, <laughs> probably it's easy, Ken Honda. And you can find all the information at KenHonda.com. And I'm translating a lot of free information to English. And I hope I can share more information in the future. So you can find uh, all the information there. And I started an English um, community called Arigato Living Community. It comes from uh, people come from 20 different countries. We learn about uh, happy money we get together once a month and uh, we share a lot of uh tears and laughter together 
Um, so if you're interested, please look at the website. And do you have any final words for our audience? Alex, you're such a beautiful human being. I so enjoy every second of my time uh, today. Um, mm. I'm here tomorrow. Uh, this is such a fabulous way to start my day. So um, I, I understand why your shows are uh, so popular because you're such a wonderful person. Oh, so um, I send you all the blessings and all that, all my love to you and all the viewers. Um, life is to be enjoyed. So I know, you know, things don't work out always as we plan, but that's part of life. So when you make a mistake again, we can say, I'm human. <laughs> it's okay. And uh, I hope we can forgive ourselves and each other and uh, uh, have fun. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Ken, thank you so much for those kind words. I appreciate uh, that for you being on the show and for the amazing work you're doing in helping people make happy money in their life. So I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you so much. Love you all. Bye-bye. I want to thank Ken so much for coming on the show and sharing his knowledge with all of us. Thank you, Ken. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, including how to sign up for his free Mind Valley Masterclass, Money EQ, Happy Money, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash 182. And if you want to go directly to the masterclass, just head over to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash Ken dash Honda dash free. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, trust the journey. It is here to teach you. I'll talk to you soon.